Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Patriots Beat Podcast on CLNS Radio. CLNS Radio, the leading provider of audio and video coverage of your favorite Boston sports teams. Be sure to follow CLNS on social media. You can check us out on Twitter, at CLNS Radio, on Facebook at facebook.com slash fans. And be sure to check out our, download our CLNS Radio free mobile podcast app. It's got all our great podcasts in one convenient place for you. You can get it on iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Radio in your app marketplace. Or for Android, you can go to clnsradio.com slash Android. And if you have an iPhone, iOS, you can go to clnsradio.com slash iOS free. What's going on, guys? My name is Michael Longi. I'm your host this week on the Patriots Beat Podcast. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about this week. Happy July 4th. Happy 4th of July weekend. I hope you guys have been enjoying yourselves. A beautiful weather here in Massachusetts. Hope you guys are out there enjoying it wherever you are. Here, we're also happy because we're about three and a half weeks away from training camp. So Patriots training camp is set to get underway. The first practice of the year will be on July 28th. So 24 days. That is two, three and a half weeks. We are very excited for it. And leading up to it, we've been doing our roster breakdown series. A couple weeks ago, we highlighted the defensive backfield. This week, uh, last week we did offensive line, and this week we're talking wide receivers and tight ends. So a lot of great stuff to talk about there. Obviously, tons of things from the Edelman and Amendola surgeries to uh, the new faces on the team, whether it be free agent signings, trades, draft picks. Uh, we've got it all here in the wide receivers and tight ends group. So we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. Let's get right into it. Capped off today, we're going to have a fantastic guest joining us, uh, Mike Reese of ESPN Boston. He's going to join us to talk all things Patriots, as he always does, and he's fantastic. So be sure to check that out as well. That's coming up in about 30 minutes, so be sure to stick around. Uh, Let's get right into it. We're going to start off. Uh, This week's episode, guys, is brought to you by Loot Crate. Uh, Obviously, it's July right now. Um, It's summer blockbuster season. All the big movies come out, the big superhero movies, the action movies, and more, all coming out this time of year, which means this is the perfect time of year to celebrate some of pop culture's most unstoppable, unrelenting, and unbearable characters and objects. Uh, So at Loot Crate, we've got something that you can carry, something for your kitchen, and a cool figure to go along with your uh, monthly tea and pin. Uh, So this this month is two Marvel items, plus Warcraft and Dragon Ball Z stuff, so you 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 just gotta get it, you really do. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items uh, and pop culture gear. So for less than 20 bucks a month, you get six to eight items, which includes you know licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, uh, unique one-of-a-kind items, and much more. So every month you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So you, at, right now, it's July 4th. You guys have plenty of time to subscribe for this month's stuff. Get yourself your Marvel, Warcraft, Dragon Ball Z stuff. Uh, and this month, be sure to go ahead to lootcrate.com slash CLNS, and you can enter the code CLNS to save 3 bucks on any new subscription. So can't beat that, right? Again, that's lootcrate.com slash CLNS for $3 off a new subscription. So... Guys, we're talking wide receivers and tight ends. Like I said, we're going to start with the wide receivers, and we're going to start with the two guys 
who we're not going to see much of until the beginning of the season. I'm talking about Juliet Edelman and Danny Amendola. Both coming off off-season surgery. Danny Amendola had a knee and ankle surgery this offseason, while Julian Edelman had surgery on the foot that he broke. He had to have a, a screw reinserted. And so neither of them participated in the off-season workout programs uh, that were taking place over the past couple weeks, which, you know, no shocker there. Um, probably not going to participate much in the physical part of training camp. I can't imagine we'll see much of them in preseason games either. And... You know, but from all reports, they're expected to be ready for game one, week one, September 11th. They're expected to be ready. And that's really all that matters at this point. So when we're looking at the rest of the wide receiver group, there's kind of a couple different uh, categories you can place these guys in. I mean, there's the guys that are obviously going to be on the team, and that's Danny Amendola, that's Julian Edelman. You have to assume that's probably Malcolm Mitchell, who was the fourth-round draft pick of the Patriots this past season. And you've got to assume that Chris Hogan is going to be in there too, right? He's a guy that the Patriots went out and signed in free agency from Buffalo. Bigger-bodied guy. So, I mean, there's guys there. Then there's guys that you don't know. could They, they could make the team. They'll probably be you know special teams guys, or they still need to prove themselves, things like that. So... Starting off with Chris Hogan, let's start there. Let's start with guys who are going to be on the team. Chris Hogan, the new guy from Buffalo, like I mentioned, and he's a bigger-bodied guy. I think he's over six feet. He's, he's a big wide receiver, a bigger wide receiver than the wide receivers we're used to here. And he's a guy who can do a little bit of slot stuff. He's not, I mean, he's not a burner. He's not a deep threat or anything like that. But he's a guy who can do some things on the outside as well. He, I mean, he killed the Patriots last year. He had a, a great game against New England, uh, which, I mean, I know you you don't want to take that too much into account because we all remember that Scott Chandler used to beat up on the Patriots when he played in Buffalo, and then he came here and was basically invisible. So, for what it's worth, he had a big game against the Patriots last year. But, I mean, look, I, this is a guy, this is a Belichick-type guy. He's a guy, he's a guy who played lacrosse in college. Right? He went to Penn State for a while, played lacrosse there, ended up transferring to Monmouth where he played football. And, you know, he's a little bit of an everyman. Big, strong guy. I think he's going to take the kind of Brandon LaFell type role. That's what I'm thinking his spot on this team is going to be. Because you obviously have Edelman and Amendola who contribute in their way. Edelman does, you know, everything that he does. Danny Amendola has carved out his niche like, you know, 65 catches last year when Edelman went down before that he was the he was the third guy and that's what I would assume he would be probably the third 3a maybe 3b depending on the the matchup but him and Chris Hogan are going to be kind of interchangeable in that I can't imagine they're going to run more than two or three wide receivers out on the field at the same time specifically because of the tight end situation that you have where you've got two incredibly big, strong, pass-catching tight ends that you can throw the ball to. But Chris Hogan, I think it's a good pickup. I wasn't necessarily on board with the the money. I think he got something like $5 million or $4.5 million or something like that. I thought it was a little high, but I think it's what had, that, that's what had to draw him away from Buffalo. 
and Belichick generally when he goes after a guy he he does it for a reason and I think he's gonna make a, a, be a good replacement for Brandon LaFell because I think we all know that Brandon LaFell I mean last year he came out he just couldn't catch the football he came coming off that injury he had stone hands and he, he couldn't catch the ball so he needed to be replaced you replace him with a guy Chris Hogan who you know has been around the league a little bit he played a little bit in Miami played a little bit in uh, Buffalo He's got good hands. He's a bigger guy, like I said. And uh, he adds a little bit of a different dimension to your wide receiver core. As for Malcolm Mitchell, I mean, I like the kid. Everything that I've seen, he's got good measurables. You know, he's, he's a, a solid six feet. He's got big hands. He's got a good catch radius. He's got good catch numbers. I heard he only had something like five drops in his entire college career or something like that. So, I mean, he's a guy who can catch the football, which is great. He was drafted in the fourth round by the Patriots this year. A great off-the-field story. I mean, for those of you who don't know, he's a guy who uh, tore his ACL in, I think it was his sophomore year of college, tore his ACL, and while he was rehabbing, realized that he had uh, the reading comprehension of, like, a seventh grader or something like that. He hadn't, you know, he was a, a terrible reader and couldn't really get it done in the classroom, and long story short, he ended up, you know, joining book clubs and things like that, teaching himself how to read, and uh, t- teaching himself how to read better, I should say, and becoming a more learned person. And eventually, ended up publishing his own children's book, which is on the in the stores now. So, great story there. Obviously, he's a good player. But he did slip in the draft to the fourth round. He's He's got some injury concerns. I mean, he's tore up his knee already. He's had a couple other nagging injuries. So health will be a question with him. Health will absolutely be a question with him. But as a coming onto a team like this, the New England Patriots, who have, I just mentioned, the three wide, there's already, there's absolutely three wide receivers in front of him, right, on the depth chart. Edelman, Amendola, and Chris Hogan are all ahead of Malcolm Mitchell on the depth chart. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off of a young player. And in you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, a guy like Aaron Dobson, who was drafted at a time when the Patriots needed wide receivers. They needed wide receivers. And, you know, you draft this six foot four big wide receiver in the second round, Aaron Dobson, you say, Wow, I mean the guy's a burner, the guy can catch the ball, he's big, six foot four. Oh, this is a great pickup. And I think there might have been a little too much pressure on him to perform. Maybe that had something to do with his his underperformance. And, you know, speaking of, and it, it, my point is Malcolm Mitchell on the other end of the spectrum does not necessarily have that kind of pressure on him. And I think that will allow him to get in, learn the playbook, learn his role, watch people, because he's not going to be on the field. As the fourth ride receiver in this kind of a system, he's not going to see the field too much. I mean, I'd be surprised if he had more than 30, 35 catches this year in his rookie season. I'd be surprised if he had more catches than that because there's just not enough balls to go around, honestly. Uh, As we're looking at, you know, guys, Amendola is going to have 40, 50 catches. Edelman's probably going to have 75, 80 catches. Gronk's going to have 75, 80 catches. Chris Hogan's going to have probably 40, 50 catches. Martellus Bennett could have 60 catches. So, I mean, there's just so many catches to go around, right? 
that's just too many guys. That's that that right there is too many guys. So I think it's going to take a lot of pressure off of him. Speaking of Aaron Dobson, he is in the second tier of wide receivers on the Patriots roster, and that is the sitting on the roster bubble tier. That is guys like Aaron Dobson. That's guys like Keyshawn Martin, although Keyshawn Martin signed a two-year deal this past year, so I think he's going to stay on this team. Then you got the guys like Chris Harper, Nate Washington, uh, Devin Lucien, the the young uh, undrafted rookie that they signed, the seventh round draft pick they they drafted. So guys like that. These are the guys that are going to be sitting on the roster bubble. You, you can't imagine the Patriots are going to keep more than. They're, they're definitely not going to keep more than six wide receivers on the roster. And I'd be actually kind of surprised if they kept six. They might keep six just for injury concern. Because you've got, obviously, Edelman and Amendola coming off of surgery. So you might want a sixth guy just in case you need that depth. But, I mean, we've already named four that are making the team, right? They're absolutely on the team. Edelman, Amendola, Hogan, and Mitchell are all on the team. So now you've only got two spots maximum. And we've got, you know, five, six guys here that could... That did are that are fighting for that spot. You got Keyshawn Martin, like I mentioned, Aaron Dobson, Nate Washington, DeAndre Carter, and Devin Lucian. So that's you know six guys fighting for two spots max, maybe one. So who's gonna make the team? I think Keyshawn Martin, like I said, is going to make the team. Signed a two-year deal this past year with the Patriots. He's a, a guy who can do a lot of things. He can still catch the football. He made some pretty decent catches in big spots last year. And he also is a, a return guy. He can give you something in the return game, which, as we know, I mean, you don't want Edelman back there with the injury risk. You don't want Amendola back there. You know, you don't there's, there's certain guy. You don't want Deion Lewis back there. You don't want guys that contribute heavily on offense to be back there fielding kicks and punts and getting destroyed. So... Keyshawn Martin is a good player to throw in that spot and say, okay, yeah, return punts, you know? I mean, he's, he's the, the two-year deal wasn't for big money. He's a guy who you can afford to kind of keep on special teams. Maybe in a pinch you can throw him at wide receiver because he's been in the offense for a couple years or a year and uh, knows the playbook, you know? So he's a guy who I think will make the team. The second spot is is definitely a question. And it's intriguing. I mean, there's Aaron Dobson, who we've been talking about. He's a guy, I mean, I think this is his last chance. This is his last chance to make this team, to be a contributor on this team. He he has not been good over his first two years in the NFL. And, you know, again, over the mini camps and things like that, no pads, no nothing, and we're hearing... Well, Aaron Dobson looks unbelievable. He looks great. He's, you know, having impressing people in practice and all this stuff. Okay, but we've heard this before, and then he throws the pads on, and he gets into a game, and he can't catch the ball, and he can't run the right routes, and Brady is yelling at him, and all these different things. So this is his last chance, in my opinion, and maybe that will light a fire under him. I think, honestly, he probably has the best chance to make the team out of, you know, him, Chris Harper, Nate Washington... And then you've got DeAndre Carter and Devin Lucian, who I think really have no real shot to be on this team, maybe practice squad guys. 
But Aaron Dobson, this is his last chance, in my opinion. Uh, Chris Harper, he had one catch last season for six yards. He will always be remembered as the guy who muffed that punt against Denver in overtime in the snow in Denver. Um, That is not a good way to be remembered. I'm not so sure he's going to be on this team. Probably a practice squad guy uh, at best. And then Nate Washington, you know, from all reports, Nate Washington can still move. He can still run. He can be a, a deep threat type of a guy. And obviously we know how good he is or how, how good he has been in the past in the kick and punt return game. So he's another guy who could make the team as a special teams guy like a, like a Keyshawn Martin. But, you know, like if he can still return kicks and punts, I, I will take him on my team, right? Because he can still run. That's not going anywhere. But, you know, he's a guy who the Patriots would probably do, do, do just fine if he didn't make the team. So, and then like I said, uh, DeAndre Carter and Devin Lucian, those guys are more than likely going to be practice squad guys. I mean... There's just this is just too many bodies at this position, you know. But that's the the wide receiver group here, and I'll tell you, it it looks pretty good to me. Did aside from you know we still have to wait and see with obviously Edelman and Amendola with the injury coming back from the surgeries. But I mean, if everyone stays healthy, you have a deep roster of wide receivers, you know, Chris Hogan could step up and be the number two, let's say Amendola goes down, Hogan could step up, let's say Edelman goes down, and Amendola and Hogan both have to step up, uh, Keyshawn Martin is a guy who has been in the offense, like we said, so he could potentially step in and, and catch some passes for you, so I mean, look, there's a lot of different ways you can go, and like I said, we're about to talk about the tight ends, and that's what I think the focus of this offense is going to be. I think it's. I don't think it's going to be the wide receivers. I think it's. It's great that we have, you know, Edelman, Amendola, Chris Hogan, who are established contributors to the offense. They can be contributors, but I think the guys that are really going to catch the football are going to be the two massive tight ends that we have. So, um, before we get to uh, the tight ends, I would like to just let you guys know that the Seat Geek app is. The best, oh my god, it's the best ticketing app ever, honestly. Like, I mean, I, I've got it on my phone, I use it all the time, and, you know, for those of you guys you know who, who go to all these sporting events and things like that, follow these teams around, you know that buying tickets online can be uh, a confusing process, it can take a, a long time, it's always been hard to find the best deals, and, you know, whether it's a show, whether it's a, a concert, a, a, a sporting event, whatever it is, None of those older ticketing sites want to change the fact that you have to pay these big processing fees and convenience charges and all these different things. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and a website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. So, I mean, go ahead and try it yourself. Don't take my word for it. Try it yourself. Save 20 bucks too. You guys can get a $20 rebate for listening here. You can just go ahead and download the SeatGeek app Go to the settings tab and click on add a promo code and enter the code RSB. That is RSB. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you make your first ticket purchase. So like I said, 
go ahead, download the SeatGeek app in the Play Store and uh, the uh, App Store for iPhone, any, anywhere like that. Go to the Settings tab, add a promo code, add promo code RSB, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you make your first ticket purchase. And uh, you won't regret it because SeatGeek is literally the best ticketing app out there. So, uh, Anyway, talking about tight ends, obviously you've got the big boy, Rob Gronkowski, best tight end in football, bar none, no question. And now you've got a guy in Martellus Bennett that is literally bigger than Gronk. Not many guys can say they are bigger than Rob Gronkowski at the tight end position. This guy is one of them. Six foot seven, 270 pounds of freight train moving down the field. Great pass catcher. I mean, oh, you remember his days in, in Dallas? He was really effective. Uh, had, you know, years where he made, you know, if you look at the, the, the Giants. He played one season with the Giants in 2012. That was his breakout year. 55 catches. uh, 65 catches the next year after being traded to Chicago. 2014, he had 90 catches for almost 1,000 yards. And then last year, as he saw his his role kind of reduced in Chicago, uh, had 53 catches for just over 400 yards. So, I mean, that's a legitimate tight end right there. That's a legitimate tight end. And he's your second tight end with the Patriots. So, look, that attack, this is what I think is going to happen. I think, you know, we're going to revert back to the 2011 style of offense where it was in a way. It's going to be in a way because you had Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez back then. Aaron Hernandez could do so many different things. Remember, he used to line up in the backfield. He used to line up slot wide, all these different things. So it'll be a little different in that you won't see Martellus Bennett in the backfield or anything like that, taking handoffs like Hernandez used to do. You won't see any of that. But, I, I mean, you will see Bennett in the slot, Gronk in the slot, obviously. You'll see guys out wide. You'll see both of them on the line in the two tight end formation. I think you're going to see a ton of two tight end stuff this year because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have, you have the two biggest tight ends in the league. The two biggest tight ends in the league. Great pass catchers, both of them. Both of them stay healthy. That's that's domination. Red zone, if you've got guys hanging all over Rob Gronkowski in the red zone, who's hanging all over Martellus Bennett? You know what I mean? So there's going to be, you know, Gronk, Rob Gronkowski is going to get more open because of Martellus Bennett. And Martellus Bennett will probably be more open than he's ever been in his life because of Rob Gronkowski. And then add that to the wide receivers that you have running in cuts and out cuts and all these different things. Tom Tom Brady's going to have to choose which open receiver to throw to because there's going to be more than one guy open all the time. I mean, just look at these guys. So I I think this is going to be huge for the Patriots this two tight end set and even if let's say god forbid let's say one of these guys goes down for a few weeks with an injury you've got a guy in Clay Harbor who you just signed uh, out of Jacksonville 
who is a pretty damn good pass-catching tight end. I mean, his stats don't really show up because he played in Jacksonville, and, you know, obviously Blake Bortles last year just kind of really came into his own and was throwing a lot to the wide receivers, uh, Allen Hearns, Allen Robinson. He was throwing to those guys. Clay Harbor didn't get the pub that he probably deserved, but he's a solid pass-catching tight end. Not necessarily a great blocker, however. And so he's the guy who could step in and catch the passes. He could probably do some lining up in the slot and stuff like that as well. But with Bennett and Gronkowski, you have two guys who obviously, I mean, both of them are, you know, you got Gronk who's, you know, what, 260-something pounds, and I just mentioned that Bennett's 270. Just the size of them alone, I mean, they're solid blockers as well as pass catchers. And we all know that that's huge with Belichick. And we all know that Belichick loves tight ends and loves the position. And, I mean, in theory, you could have, if you have Gronkowski, Bennett, and Clay Harbor all out on the field at the same time, and you run that three tight end set, and these guys can catch passes. Like, teams are not going to be able to defend that. Teams already can't defend Gronkowski when he's by himself, let alone Gronkowski and Bennett. It's, I mean, I just I just don't see, I would throw out, if it was me, I don't care how predictable it is, I would throw out both of those guys every single time. I would run the two tight end set, almost exclusively run the two tight end set. Maybe bring out Clay Harbor for a three tight end set at times, because why not? I mean, tight ends by definition are generally a matchup problem for the defense. They're a little bigger than linebackers, a little faster than linebackers. Well, they're too big for corners, too quick for linebackers, right? There's a good tight end is that. He's too big for a corner to cover him, too tough for a safety to cover him, too quick for a linebacker to cover him. Like, that's Gronk. That's Bennett. That's, most of the time, Clay Harbor. That's guys like that. So... Why wouldn't you throw them out there every single time? Every single time I would throw them out there. And then you've got um, the other tight end who uh, he was IR'd last year. Like after the first day, I'm, I'm completely blanking on his name. Um, but he, they had a lot of intrigue around him. He was, I think he was a converted quarterback. I mean, he's six foot five, 240 pounds. He's a big guy. And they had, he, they were hearing a lot of good things out of him. He had like one practice and then got injured and ended up on the injured reserve list for the entire season. So we haven't heard anything out of him. But he's a guy, if needed, that could be a fourth tight end. I mean, I don't know how many tight ends they're going to carry on the roster. I would imagine no more than three. They did just release Michael Williams after he tore his ACL uh, uh, last week. So I can't imagine they're going to carry more than three guys. And if I had to pick, I would say Clay Harbor would probably be that third guy. So, but I mean, look, what do I know at this point, right? I mean, let's ask a guy who really knows what we're talking about. Uh, and that is ESPN Boston's Mike Reese. Uh, the interview with Mike Reese this week is brought to you by The Garden Report on CLNS Radio YouTube. Uh, CLNS Radio is the best of the written, spoken, and watched Boston sports coverage. Uh, for the best audio and visual, you can check out CLNS Radio's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash CLNS Radio. This is 
uh, high-definition locker room interviews, full-length high-definition locker room interviews. Uh, you also get the Garden Report, like I mentioned, which is the HD post-game show, which is shot on the parquet floor at the TD Garden after every Celtics game. So you can check out there, subscribe to that as well, and let's talk to Mike Reese. All right, we are here with Mike Reese of ESPN Boston. Mike, thanks for being on the show this week. Mike, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Uh, happy Fourth of July, first of all. Man, no, what a great weekend and a great time uh, just to remind ourselves of, you know, our freedom and what's important, and I hope you get some time with your friends and family. I hope the time, I hope that's same for you as well, Mike. Um, well, we're also three weeks, a little over three weeks away from training camp, so we're over here doing our roster breakdowns. We're talking wide receivers and tight ends this week, and I want to start off just by asking about uh, Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola. Obviously, both had off-season surgery. Uh, is this going to be a, a case like last year we saw with Gronk, where he didn't really participate in a lot of stuff, uh, took it easy in training camp, and then we didn't see them at all during the preseason? What are we What are we looking at for these guys? Well, Mike, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, let's start with Amendola because we, we know a little bit more about his situation uh, because he was just, um, you know, on ESPN and talked about how he was feeling good. And here's the thing. The Patriots have the luxury of taking it slow with those guys. I mean, while, while the reps are important, um, you know, they pretty much have the rapport with Tom Brady that when they decide it's the right time to come back, that, that should be just fine. It reminds me a little bit of Gronkowski. Like you said, I remember asking Tom Brady during the regular season early, saying, you know, you guys just sort of, you know, made it happen out there after not doing it in the preseason. You know, how unusual is that? And he sort of laughed and he said, listen, you know, we've been at this now for six years. This is not our first rodeo. And I think the same applies for Amendola and Edelman. As for Edelman, I mean, all indications are that both those guys should be ready to go for when it counts in the regular season, September 11th. So it's just a matter of when you want to start them up in practice unless there's a setback uh, between now and then. I, I guess a, a, a little bit branching off of that is obviously, you know, you're way, we're all waiting with bated breath to figure out what's going to happen with this, this whole uh, deflate gate situation. So if, if the case is that Brady is suspended and Jimmy Garoppolo has to step in, does that maybe change things for them? Does, do Edelman and Amendola maybe want to get some more reps in with Jimmy, or, or how is that going to work? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I think they, the reps would be good, but not at the expense of the long-term picture. And think about Bill Belichick and how he sort of approaches each year. Teddy Bruschi has sort of really coined this, um, this thought, if you will, over the last few years of how September is almost like an extended preseason for Belichick. And the idea that he's, he's still tinkering at the start of the regular season throughout the month of September because of the restrictions, um, you know, in the, in the off season, because of the restrictions in training camp, these aren't the days of double sessions. So you only have such limited opportunity. So Mike, I'd simplify it this way. They're not going to rush those guys back just to get them reps with Jimmy Garoppolo. And then, you know, because they don't want the repercussions of that. Hey, we rushed them back to get them reps for Garoppolo, and now in week eight, it's an issue again, you know? So they're going to put the player's health, you know, above everything else here, and they'll be confident with however that unfolds that that's the best way to do it because nothing's more important than the health of Edelman and Amendola. Big picture, not just in that short four-game four window we're talking about. 
And uh, sticking with the wide receivers, the, the Patriots signed Chris Hogan out of Buffalo this summer. Um, he's a little bit of a bigger guy, a bigger body wide receiver. I think I saw he's 6'1", something like that. Is he kind of a, a replacement for Brandon LaFell, who obviously did not produce very much last year? Is, is he going to play that role? Because I'm looking at the, the roster and I'm saying, okay, well, we're going to talk about Gronk and, and Martellus Bennett in a little bit. And then, you know, there's a couple other pretty good pass-catching tight ends in the roster so far. And you still have Edelman and Amendola. You have the young kid, Malcolm Mitchell. You still have Deion Lewis catching passes. I mean, this this looks like there's so many pass catchers on this team. Where does Hogan fit in? Well, so he's six foot one, 215 pounds. And so the way I look at him, and it's funny when I think about what we saw at practice in the spring, I remember looking up at one point and seeing him as the personal protector on the punt team. So the, the first thing, and this is the way Belichick always views it is, He's going to be a big factor on fourth down. Now, that's not all he's going to do, but I think it's important to start there, Mike, because when a player's a factor on fourth down, that means he's going to be on the game day roster. So he's going to have one of the spots on the 46-man roster. Lock in Edelman for that. Lock in Amendola for that. So you you got three locked in at receiver on that 46-man game day roster. Now, Hogan is a different type of receiver than LaFell as I see it. Um, similar from the standpoint of when the ball's in their hands, they can make things happen after the catch. Hogan was a former lacrosse player, and you can almost see that when he's running with the ball after catching it. Um, so he's got some inside-outside flexibility like LaFell, but I think, to me, he, he gives you a little more on fourth down, and he might not have the same outside presence as LaFell. And not that LaFell had a great outside presence, but maybe a little bit more so than Hogan. So I look at Hogan, even though he can play outside, probably more as an inside guy. And, and um, a little, so a little bit different from LaFell in that standpoint. Um, and he'll be in the mix in, in the number, you know, number 2B, 3A, 4A type mix, depending on what their game plan is going to be that week. And he gives you a good quality depth if you have injuries with Amendola, Edelman, or anyone else that you're dealing with. That's a pretty good deep receiving core right now, as I look at it with Hogan, a solid addition. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that, you know, obviously injuries happen in the NFL, and it looks like Bill Belichick, at almost every position, you know, outside of the pass catches and everything, it looks like he's really stacked his roster in favor of having a ton of depth. So even if a player goes down, I noticed that on the defensive line we were breaking down the uh, a couple weeks ago, the defensive backfield, it looks like there's just depth kind of everywhere on the roster right now. So, Mike, I'll tell you, I, I think the two spots I look at when I, when I won, that I wonder about the depth, and probably for the, the good context here is to say there's no team across the league that, you, that we can look at and say they got it all figured out right now, you know, in early July, because no team has every area fully covered depth-wise. You can only, you know, do so much the way this is set up. But the two areas that I look at, from a depth perspective that may concern me a little bit for the Patriots are one running back. And the reason I say that is no draft pick at that position. And yes, they signed Donald Brown. You know, we'll see how that unfolds. Maybe DJ Foster, the undrafted free agent flashes and it's a different picture, but you know, you still rely on a lot on Deion Lewis to make it through the season healthy. How's LeGarrette Blunt going to come back from that hip injury? Let's just say those two guys, you know, aren't, don't get back to what they were based on what they're coming off of. I wonder a little bit about that running back spot. And then the second spot is that offensive tackle spot, which we saw when Solder went out 
in the fourth game of the year last year, if I have it right, became a little bit of a depth issue because Cannon didn't look like a great fit at left tackle. So I look at that offensive tackle spot, Mike, and I say, you know, they didn't draft a guy there, and, and do they have enough there? But, you know, we're nitpicking here when, when we look at the big picture and from a context perspective. We're talking about depth. You know, other teams are talking about, do we have the front-line guys to compete for a Super Bowl? We're talking right, about right. depth, you know, Mike? So I think that context is important. But those are the two areas that stand out to me. And corner, you know, I'd add corner to that. I, you, you, like, you have to like Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan the way they performed last year. But I think in one respect, the Patriots were pretty fortunate. Those guys were really durable. They made it through the whole year and, and had really high snap count totals. They draft Cyrus Jones. We like him as a number three, but let's just say you're not as fortunate this year and either Ryan or Butler, you know, can't go the full 16. You know, do you have enough there? But again, contextually, you know, we're talking about depth, not frontline guys. And I think that's important as well. I would like to ask you really quickly before we get back to, um, we're going to talk about Malcolm Mitchum, but um, we talked about offensive line last week and Joe Thune, who was the third round pick, uh, he was he, you know listed as a guard and I read a couple of quotes that he, he considers himself a guard, but he did play left tackle his entire senior year at NC State and was an all-conference performer, if I remember correctly. Um, is he going to be a guy who they're going to try to move back and forth or is he just another guard in the mix or... Yeah, good, really good question. Dante Scarnecchia, returning offensive line coach, said, we're going to play him on the inside, which means, you know, guard or center, and in the event of an emergency, we could move him out to tackle. So he is a, a, a part of that depth picture when we talk about offensive tackles. The thing with him is just the size factor. Um, but i got to tell you, Mike, this, this could be Logan Mankins all over again, and, and I don't want to wow. put – I don't want to put the um, – whatever you call it, the horse before the cart, the cart before the horse, because, look, he hasn't played a game. I haven't even been in pads yet. But the reason I say that is you look out at practice in the spring, he's right there at left guard with the first unit, and every team that I've spoken with about the Patriots draft, I would go through every pick just to, just to get different opinions. And there's going to be different opinions on players. There's no universal, you know, hey, you know, there's, there's so few – guys that you're going to get universal opinion on but that was the one player when I talked to probably I had to be almost 10 teams different people they all liked Joe Tooney really liked him and thought he was um, a perfect Patriots player and one of them said to me that's the type of guy you plug in there and you look up a decade later and say wow we didn't have to worry about that position for a decade and that's why I make the comparison to Logan Mankins. Well high praise for Joe Tooney we'll definitely have to keep an eye out for him at training camp for sure. Um, talking about Malcolm Mitchell, obviously a great story um, coming out of Georgia, fourth-round pick. He's another guy that we're tossing in the wide receiver mix, but I've seen a lot of people, you know, he had injuries in college, but I looked at his measurables, things like, you know, hand size and, you know, catch rate and all these different things, and it looked, I mean, he only dropped something like five passes in his last two years in college. So um, what do you think about Malcolm Mitchell, aside from, you know, the great story personally? Well, Mike, he's off to a good start. They're pretty optimistic about what they've seen to this point. And again, you know, we'll tap the brakes a little bit and mention that they haven't been in pads yet. There's been no press coverage. But as much as he could do at this point in a no-pads setting, um, he's impressed the Patriots coaching staff. Uh, I watched them closely in spring practices, and the fluidity of movement is notable. 
Um, not going to make the comparison to like a Dion Branch when you watched Dion Branch back in 2002 and the first thing he said was, wow, he's just gliding. It looks a little different than everyone else. It's smooth, but it's sort of close with Malcolm Mitchell. Again, I don't want to go that far with him because now I feel like I'm getting into like sort of over-the-top praise. But when you look at it and you say, if he can stay healthy, um, you know, there's some promising traits there. It all comes back to the health. Going back to what some others around the league said is they all liked the player and, and everything he represented. Their concern was the health and the knee and, and is there a situation where that's bone on bone and, and what's the durability and how long will that last? And there's always going to be differing medical opinions on stuff like that, but that's the one to keep an eye on with him. If, if he stays healthy, that could be a coup for the Patriots. And uh, moving on to the tight end position, obviously we know Rob Gronkowski. Martellus Bennett was the big pickup uh, at that position. But I noticed there's a, there's a lot of other guys that were, you know, kind of in the – you know, Clay Harbor was signed as a, a free agent who was a pretty good tight end, you know, underused in Jacksonville, but a good tight end. And then I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, but there was a kid on the practice squad last year that didn't even uh, – he was IR'd pretty much right away. Uh, am mm-hmm. I correct on that? Yeah, you got it, Mike. It's A.J. Derby, a sixth-round pick out of Arkansas from last year. He actually got injured early in training camp last year, had one practice, and then went right on injured reserve. So so here you, you nailed it. You got Gronkowski and Bennett as sort of your top two. And you know, I, I keep going back to what – Mike McCarthy, the Packers head coach, said earlier this offseason when he said Martellus Bennett to him is the best pure matchup acquisition that he's seen. He's like, because this is what McCarthy said. He said, You got Bennett at six foot six, two seventy-three. You got Gronkowski at six foot six, two sixty-five. Put them out there together. How do you match up with that? What do you do? Are you in your base defense? Well, then they can just spread you out. Because if we've watched Rob Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett, those guys can catch the ball and they can run. Okay, so maybe we'll go with our smaller defense against them because we're going to play against the pass. Well, you can put those guys right on the line and you can now pound the football running it. And so it presents a lot of problems for defenses. I think that's sort of the Patriots tight end position in a nutshell. Disappointing for Mike Williams, who they acquired last year. Uh, from the Lions for a seventh-round pick to tear his ACL. I really thought he looked like he was going to be the number three tight end, but he's obviously out of the mix. So now maybe Clay Harbor sneaks in there, like you mentioned. You have A.J. Derby. You also have two undrafted free agents, rookies this year, Stephen Shue out of Vanderbilt, Bryce Williams out of East Carolina. We know Belichick loves the tight end position. It's going to be a big part of what they do. And we should probably also mention James Devlin, the fullback, because in a lot of ways, the fullback and the tight end position uh, intersect when you're looking at, you know, how you, how you want to scheme, how you want to play it, two back versus two tight ends. And uh, so Devlin's sort of in that tight end mix, if you will. I, I want to stop on Devlin real quick because I thought he was a really underrated piece. And when he went down last year, I thought it really kind of caused some problems for the Patriots for a couple, a couple weeks stretch there after he, what was he, broke his leg. I thought that they had, they kind of weren't really, because he was doing a lot of things for them early in the season. He was, Mike. When I look back on that, I, I think that the first thing I go to is what does James Devlin bring to your football team? And I think about the game in Houston, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, they hand the ball off to him at the one-yard line or at the goal line, and it was, he's, you know, and he got hit like yep. four or five times. 
but he, yep. but he got it into the end zone. And it's, it's that determination, it's that toughness, and that's sort of what he brings to your team. And I thought they missed that at times, um, you know, when they're trying to work through some offensive line issues from the injury perspective. Um, so getting that back uh, would be helpful, assuming he can get back to what he once was. And that's sort of what I think they miss a little bit with Mike Williams because he's another physical player. Uh, sticking with tight end, now, I, I must say, personally for me, you know, we've heard well, the fans have been saying, you know, for years, ever since Randy Moss, is, oh, we need the down the downfield deep threat wide receiver. And, you know, I was, I admit that, I fully admit that I was one of those people early on. But as, the, you know, the seasons went on and, you know, we got a taste of uh, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, that two tight end attack, um, I thought that was huge. And the first thing I thought of getting Bennett back, obviously it's a little bit of a different dynamic because they're, you know, Martellus Bennett isn't Aaron Hernandez in, in that athleticism aspect, but I think the two tight, are they going to go back to the two tight end dominant attack? Is it going to be like that? Is, Cause I know, I mean, Josh McDaniels was running the offense back then too. You know, I think it's, it's highly likely Mike that if both Gronkowski and Bennett are healthy, that, that we will see a lot of that. No team ran more two tight end packages from the span of 2010 to 2012 than the Patriots. It wasn't even close. The next team, the 49ers, was like 900 snaps behind them as the second highest team in terms of two tight end usage. So all indications that we see are why wouldn't you put Gronkowski and Bennett on the field together and see how that looks. The key, as we know, especially with Gronkowski, is the health. And the last two years, I feel like the Patriots and Gronkowski have sort of teamed up and managed that health situation very well. So he's available to the team. He feels good, you know, about what he's bringing to the team and how much rest he's getting and how much risk exposure he has to injury in practice. And they'll hope to continue that this year. I mean, and then, I mean, you could take it to the ridiculous extreme and say, man, remember when they ran that four tight end set out onto the field last year? I mean, you could bring out Gronkowski, Bennett, Devlin, and Clay Harbor and have four tight ends who could catch a pass, theoretically, on the field at the same time. Yeah, you, you could. And I remember talking about that with um, Bill Belichick last year because we were sort of noting that the, the overflow of tight ends on the field, and he downplayed it a little bit, saying that it's really no different than if you had a sixth offensive lineman that you might use as a tight end. But, but there is one difference is that usually if the player has a TE in front of his name, instead of an OL, he's a little bit more of a threat to catch the ball. Although Nate Solder might argue with that, right? Mike, remember that? Right. Yeah, exactly. When he exactly. Got that. But yeah, no, that we know Belichick loves the tight ends. And I think the thing on that, Mike, when you talk about the downfield receiver, it's just about having so many options and different ways to attack a defense. We've seen it through the pick from the Patriots over the years. You don't necessarily have to have that burner down the field. It helps, but you can win without it. So it's just a matter of having a, you know, a number of different ways to attack defenses. Oh, great stuff, Mike. Um, so we're about three weeks away from training camp. What are you doing in this three-week period, uh, kind of getting prepared for uh, players to report to camp the end of July? Mike, I am so fired up. I, I sort of hope that it was starting right now. Like there are certain years where you get to this point on the calendar and you're like, I definitely need a week or two and then, you know, to sort of recharge and I'll be back. And especially like last year or the year with the Hernandez situation where you feel right. like you almost didn't get an off season, you know, but 
I feel like we've had a little bit of an off season here. I'm ready for it to go, but I will take some time a little bit with the family and uh, we'll, we'll head north. New England is such a great place to be in the summer. And uh, so we'll take a little time together, but I will tell you if, if June 20, I mean, July 28th, which is going to be the first practice can't come soon enough as far as I'm concerned, because it promises to be a very exciting year following the team and, and there's just always something about that first practice and just starting another journey um, that fires me up. I am so with you, Mike. I honestly couldn't have said it any better myself. Uh, Mike Reese, ESPN Boston. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Mike Reese. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Mike. Uh, hopefully we'll see you down at training camp. We'll be able to talk a little bit then. Sounds great, Mike, and continued success. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right, that was Mike Reese of ESPN Boston. Fantastic stuff as always. Like I said, be sure to follow him on Twitter, at Mike Reese. And uh, that's going to do it for us, guys. We're going to put a wrap on today's podcast. Uh, This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Radio mobile app as well as clnsradio.com, so you can always check it out there. Uh, Thank you, guys, to everyone who tuned in. Be sure to help support the show by subscribing to the Patriots Beat podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And please leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to know what you think, and you'd help us grow the show by doing so. So be sure to do that. Uh, Once again, today's show was brought to you by Loot Crate. Some great deals, and, you know, checking them out. That would really help us out as well. So we can come here and bring you this stuff every single week. So go to LootCrate.com for those special offers like we mentioned. Also, our other two presenting sponsors, The Garden Report and SeatGeek, always helping us out. Um, They, along with... Obviously, most importantly, our loyal CNS Radio audience make all of these broadcasts possible. So keep doing it. Keep checking us out. Keep helping us grow. Uh, we, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, so for Program Director Larry H. Russell and the founder of our great network, Nick Gelso, uh, my name is Michael Longi, and we'll see everyone back here next week for the next episode of Patriots Beat. Thanks, guys.